friendship, friendship. Heaven and us on a friendship. All aboard the friendship. See Miss Susie Anna sing Polly Wally Doodle of the Day. Yeah. We've been burping for a month. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Love Good Podcast, brought to you by our patrons, where you learn how to love what is good and become what you love. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and the art of being human. We're more than a subscription company. Love Good is a movement of artists, patrons, and young people who believe in the power of beauty to change the world. And we're so pumped you're here. What's up, everybody? I I don't know if you're waking up right now feeling like you were living in a very different world than the one that we were all living in a week ago. But obviously, the coronavirus has taken over, at the very least, our news cycle. Certainly, for many of us, our peace and maybe even our, our imagination. You know, this is a really crazy moment for human history. And I think for many of us, certainly living here in America, this has just become a source of real anxiety. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because today I'm sitting down with one of our regular contributors, Father Ryan Adorjan, one of my dearest friends in the world. Few people have deeper insight into the human experience than this man. And what I love is that so much of our conversation revolves around vulnerability and part of a a pandemic, you know, taking over our news cycle and taking over our lives at the moment, it feels that way anyways, is that actually it makes us all feel vulnerable. Let's be real. You know, there's nothing worse than feeling like we've lost control. You know, that's perhaps the greatest lesson that I am learning right now is that we are not in control and that in fact, life really is precious. You know, you do need to keep a good sense of humor and you certainly want to keep uh, vigilance about you in these days. But frankly, it's so important to not lose our peace in the midst of it all. That's so much of the conversation today with Father Ryan is the power that beauty has to keep our hearts soft and to keep us vulnerable and really trusting in ultimately God and his plan, which is so much bigger than we could possibly hope for or imagine. So anyways, I hope that this episode today on the Love Good Podcast brings you hope, brings you peace, a sense of calm, and uh, certainly a hope that in the midst of this coronavirus, in the midst of this pandemic, that in fact, there's a bigger story unfolding and that we can all be a part of it. So in just a few moments, I'll be back with Father Ryan Adorjan. But before then, I hope you enjoy this little excerpt off of Rebecca Rubion. 2016 album Sleepless Nights it's called Don't Know Who I Am Black hole in my heart Black hole in my favorite sweaters to cheat up Though I'll try I'm just stitching my scarlet letters Someone call Someone call Someone call I don't know who I am at all Someone call, someone call, someone call I don't know who I am at all Let me die, let me drown, lay my bones in the ground I will still come around when the time for sleep is through (laughs) So we're back with Father Ryan Adorjan (laughs) on the Love Good Podcast This is a great moment, what are you doing? So I found this poster, which I may take but it's uh, all the lyrics on the back. 
from oh, from yeah. Dear Wormwood. I mean, let's be honest. This is getting some serious product placement on on this <laughs> season of the podcast. It's so good. The oh hellos, you guys are so good. Tell us why you like them so much. They've changed my heart. I don't know what else to say. They, I this would take too long to explain. Nope, nope. The I'm whole ready. thing. I mean, but I got a cup of fresh jam ready to listen. But the thing is that there's, I mean, there's so nuanced the story. But what I want to say is, at the beginning of my rebirth and wonder, at the beginning of my time of discovering what it is to be human and alive, the Ohlos were introduced to me, and they have been my soundtrack through my ups and my very low downs. And they have been my friends, and I've gone to see them every time they've been in Chicago for the last three or four years, really. And I love them. You tried to fly me in once to see them in Chicago. I literally was going to fly you was in. Was it my birthday or your birthday? or It someone's? was in December. I don't know. I think it was, it was literally my birthday. Yeah, it was going to be on your birthday, wasn't it? Yeah. And if you haven't listened to them, okay, if you have listened to them, you know what I'm talking about, and I don't need to say anymore. And if you haven't listened to them, then you need to go listen to them. And then you'll know that I don't need to say anything more. Yeah. That's all there is to it. I mean, I I don't totally know where to classify them, you know? Like, obviously, there's some serious folk vibes happening there, you yeah. know? Yeah. And some serious storytelling. And as you, as you said, and like- And some serious humanity. Yeah. Some hilarity. Yeah. Absolute hilarity. And, and a lot of mess, you know? Yeah. And I so think messy. that is so much what I appreciate and- in, in, and all the artists that we work with anyways, is they're not afraid of their mess. In fact, like, that they're not even afraid to process their mess out loud, you no. know, and artistically in front of sometimes thousands of people. Thousands of people. It's pretty cool. Wow. And they have that, what is he, the bass player with the mustache? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the suspenders. Who goes nuts yeah. when he's up there on stage? And it and, just, you and, want to, I want, you, I live through that guy. And there's like two drummers. Right? Yeah. Used to be. Still is. I don't know. All I know is that first time I ever saw them, they were opening up for Need to Breathe. And Need to Breathe, like when they brought them on tour, they had no idea how many of them there actually were. Yeah. So when they showed up with like 10 bandmates, they're like, what is going on? (laughs) And obviously every one of them is- bigger than you think. I mean, yeah. Pretty amazing. And actually, like this is a good chance then to think about vulnerability. We talk about that word. You're the one who taught me actually that that the root word there is volnus, volnus. right? Which means wound, wounded, wound. W- to be wounded, to be willing. Just means wound. Wound. So vulnerability would be woundability in a mm-hmm. sense, yeah? So so often when we talk about our wounds or whatever, we, we say, well, you need to make yourself vulnerable with someone else. Make yourself vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is that you don't need to make yourself vulnerable if we look at vulnerability from that angle of being woundability because you've already been wounded. That's why we're Mm -hmm. talking about this. Things have happened to you that have scarred you, that have marked you, that have influenced you, impacted you in positive or negative ways. And I think even a positive scar is still a wound for sure. So you don't need to make yourself vulnerable. You need to embrace the fact that you are woundable. Mm. And this is where we talked about sometime in the months ago, but like the idea of rolling up our sleeves and engaging with our reality Mm. for the purpose of becoming free. Yeah. So through our wounds, we can become free. Yeah. Well, I love that. My books that cannot be seen by our viewing audience members at home. But I think that they can tune into a previous episode. And see the full, and see the full panorama. And there's, who knows as there's well. There's an arrow. Did you notice that? That kind of kind of pierces through the books? No. The front and the back end? I'll, I'll show it to you later. Oh, like there it is. It's like a magnet. Marks. No. Oh, the bookends, you it's mean? Really, yeah, the bookends. Oh, And obviously that is also a big part of, of our Love Good logo, the arrow. The arrow. With the heart. And we don't really talk about this enough, but it it comes from this beautiful quote by Josef Ratzinger. 
this was like 2002, he gave a talk on beauty. He said, beauty is like an arrow that wounds the heart. Yeah. And then once wounded, it, mm. it, it's left, the heart is left in a state of wonder, right? You can't help but want to trace the arrow back to its source, who's of course God himself, you know? So any encounter with beauty does imply a wound, does imply vulnerability, a willingness to engage with reality, you know, that is sometimes so beautiful it hurts, yeah. right? Yeah. That's pretty at the heart of what it means to be human, you know? Yeah. And Music obviously is a very powerful instrument in awakening that that deep need that we all have. But you used the phrase rebirth and wonder. Yeah. Tell me more. I well, mean, I can even, like, there's a childlike glint in your eye just at, just at the very phrase. Yeah. Rebirth and wonder. It comes from the Integrated Humanities Program. Yes. Which, Let me guess. At the University of St. Thomas. It's in Kansas, actually. Kansas? Close, yeah. University of Kansas. This is the one that you're taking right now. No. no. Okay. That's Catholic Studies. Okay. Yeah. Master's degree. Got it. Only two months left. Roughly. You're so close. I'm That's so how close. I feel good. But no, the Integrated Humanities Program was started by three professors. Kind of the main one, his name was John Sr. In oh, yeah. Kansas. We've talked about this stuff, before, I think. Yeah. Probably the most famous one would be the destruction of Christian culture and the restoration of Christian culture, but yep. a lot of other stuff too. It existed in Kansas in the 70s and the 80s, mm. and it started off as a great books program. So the curriculum was sort of the great works of Western literature and all, just a lot of other stuff kind of yeah. with it. And it was for freshmen and sophomores, and you were not allowed to take notes in the class, hmm. and you weren't allowed to participate with the professors in their kind of banter. It was sort of Socratic method Interesting. of the way that they taught. And you weren't allowed to participate with them until you could do it kind of at their level and just kind of keep up with them. Wow. So there was a really kind of impetus to really learn it and know it, but they had to memorize a certain number of poems every month or week, and they had to write their own poetry. They taught them how to ballroom dance. They taught them how to waltz. They taught them how to go out and look at the stars and really kind of encounter beauty that way. Hmm. So it's called the Integrated Humanities Program, meant to integrate all these different facets of humanity, the mental, the emotional, the physical, all into one common thing. And they would look at beautiful art and they would read beautiful literature and there was a community aspect of it. And the Catholic Studies Program at St. Thomas is not a direct offspring of that, but it it is in the same vein, I think, is that. But you see a lot of these kind of programs popping up now, especially in the Midwest. But the guy who started his name was John Sr., as I said, and he got into big trouble with the University of Kansas because in the 10 years that it existed, something like 200 people converted to Catholicism. Mm. Not just Christianity, but Catholicism. <laughs> so the university got mad. It's a state school, and they thought he was proselytizing and you know trying to be very— but he wasn't. That was not part of it. But the thing is, you encounter beauty, and beauty is manifested. Humanity is manifested— in Christ mm. and who possesses the fullness of, of Christ and of the Christian life is the church. Mm. You know, mm. there's facets of it to other places. Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict was huge on that, that there's aspects of truth and sanctification in other places, but we find the fullness of the Christian life and message within the church, mm. which is a very Western view, right? A classical, I mean, Western view, pre really French revolution, reformation kind of view, but 
that's what these students found. And eventually, uh, a Jewish father, this is one of the more famous stories, uh, the Jewish father of a kid who had become Catholic, who started off as sort of a very disinterested Jew, mm. became Catholic and eventually wanted to enter a monastery in France. Wow. And his dad was like, what the heck happened to you? <laughs> so he, you know, got out with the university. And, but the, the program produced, there's at least two bishops right now who I've heard about that. became Catholic because of this program. There's untold numbers of priests and of abbots, especially in France. There was a huge kind of love on John Sr.'s part for the abbey called Foncombeau mm-hmm. in France. And now monks from there have come to Clear Creek, Oklahoma, and they started their own abbey there. But there's countless numbers of, of very holy lay people as well. But the motto for the program was Nascantor in admirazione, which means let them be born in wonder, mm. let them be reborn in wonder. And so that's kind of a, it's just a phrase that I use to describe a real turning point in my life when I began to see life differently, see life according to the whole mm. and according to reality through the lens of beauty, through the lens of, I used to want to control everything. I used to feel the need to really be I had to be the the one mm. who did everything, who brought everything about. Yeah. But now I see that I live in a world which is being brought about all around me. Yeah. Usually in spite of me. And you know, the example that I always use is the sunset. Mm. It's kind of a cheesy example. You know, it's been kind of romanticized to such a degree, but you see the sunset and your heart flutters, man, and you just want to see it again tomorrow. Yeah. And you're going to see it tomorrow. Yeah. And it's going to be different tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Same exact sunset, same yeah. thing, you know, but it's going to be different. You ever seen a flock of birds take off together from a big field yep. and something in you seems to soar with them? That's exactly what I was trying to describe this morning when we saw the sun rise hmm. and the airplane taking off. Yeah, That is so much where my heart wants to be Yeah, there's something the in you that moves. Or you're at Olive Garden and you look across and there's a little baby <laughs> cuckoo la la yeah, yeah. and, and I personally don't like children. I don't like them at all. I wish I just don't like the crying and the noise and whatever. Oh, but wow, yeah. that's because I'm just Scrooge. I'm Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> but you got to admit, when you see a little kid over there at the Olive Garden and like his parents are eating or whatever, and he's leaning around in his high chair at the end of the table, makes eye contact with you and starts cuckoo la la, you know, laughing and giggling. Something in you cuckoo la la's and laughs right along with him, doesn't it? It's true. And Remi- good. I mean, remind me in your family, older, younger? I have one older brother. So you're the youngest. I'm the youngest. So you didn't grow up around younger siblings necessarily, or really. little children. I have a yeah. lot of younger cousins, but I was gonna ask cousins, no nieces and nephews. Mm-mm. Yeah. So yeah, not what, yet, Matt. Not yet. Ooh, pressure's on. Yeah. What is it then about that? You know, aging process that makes us so not just old in our exterior, you know, but kind of old in our interior. I mean, it's sort of exactly what this image is you know, constantly reminded me of that, that Chesterton, he had that childlike wonder. He was constantly reborn. He, he talked about an eternal appetite for infancy Yeah, that we've lost, you know, that we, we've grown old and forgotten to, to wonder, you know. Is Chesterton the one, is it an orthodoxy where he talks about the father being younger than yeah, us? Yes, that's exactly what, yeah. And that, yeah, I mean, so you can, I think a better question is what makes us, what makes us young and what makes us old? What makes yeah. a person young and what makes a person old, you know? 
you know, I always try to tell the, the ladies in the parish, you know, oh, Father, I'm so old. And I say, you're only as old, Francine, as you are in your heart. <laughs> oh, Father, you're so full of it. Come here for a smooch. You know, and then you get the nice big old lady smooch right on the cheek and like it makes your day. But um, yeah, what is it that makes us old or young? And, and I think it's kind of what you said. It's this, it's this infancy of heart. It's mm-hmm. this, what makes us young and what makes us old, I think is directly correlated to wonder. Yeah. Do I look at the world? Do I look at the sunset as one damn sunset after another? Or do I see myself somehow in that? Do mm-hmm. I see, I mean, do I allow that thing to pierce me through to encounter me? Mm. You know, not that it's going to, it's not Teletubby sun, you know, it's going to poke out of the sky and start talking to me. But at the same time, it's something is speaking to me, you know, in that. And am I going to listen to it? Am I going to let mm-hmm. myself stop? Like, remember, it was this morning. We were driving and we saw that guy. It was last night. When was that? I don't remember. What was it? Remember the guy last night? I think we were on our way to dinner and there was that man standing on the hill oh, looking was... at the train, watching the sun yeah, go down. Yeah, I was taking you home last night. Yeah, or watching something. the, watching on the, the way, sun yeah. go down. Yeah, that was cool. And just watching the train go by. He had his hands in his pockets. Yeah. He was watching the train go by yeah. as the sun went down. It's contemplative for sure. You know, and like that is, he's having an encounter with a mystery. Yeah. Remember, a mystery is, contrary to what we think, like in Scooby-Doo and Clue, this is why we like Scooby-Doo and Clue, because at the end of the movie, at the end of the TV show, we always know who done it. Yeah. <laughs> we always know there's a resolution, a solution, a perfect kind of answer. But mystery is precisely the thing that will never give us that, because mystery is... A mystery. <laughs> Not which, a puzzle to be solved, a reality. Right, exactly. To it's a reality into. to be encountered. Yeah, so a mysterious yeah. thing can be probed and probed and probed, investigated and investigated and investigated, but it will never be solved. Mm. So remember that the sunset, the flock of birds, the, the obnoxious, beautiful child, is those are not problems to be solved. Yeah. But they are moments to be lived. They are mm-hmm. situations to be truly encountered. Mm-hmm. And then out of those encounters, you will be changed. We'll be back in just a moment with Father Ryan Adorji. All right, everybody. I know officially I'm a broken record. No pun intended. All right. But this Love Good contest that's unfolding this month is officially blowing my mind. All right, we have some of the most amazing, fierce, and faithful patrons on planet Earth who are out there growing this movement and more importantly, bringing beauty to the forefront of their life and the lives of so many of their family and friends. Like this is a big deal. We live in a culture of noise. Like nothing's more powerful than beauty to break through that and to really help people, remind people what it means to be Human. I mean, conversations like the one I'm having with Father Ryan today are only possible because beauty is a significant, if not central part of our life. It's the very thing that keeps the heart soft. It's the very thing that that keeps us pressing in to the mysteries of life, even suffering, right? With, with joyful expectancy, right? This is so cool and so important and obviously so very much what our contest is about right now. So if, if you haven't get, gotten signed up yet, today's the day. Yesterday was the day. Tomorrow's probably too late. Go to lovegoodcontest.com and start vying for your free trip to Nashville, your free vinyl record player, your free private house concert with me, 
all the way down to some really incredible autographed vinyls from Scott Mulvihill. And here's the deal. There's only so many rewards for each level. So you, you got to hustle here, all right? If you're even slightly delayed, you're going to fall behind. There's only three people getting the free trip to Nashville, only five getting the free private house concert with me. I think it's like 10 tops who are getting the vinyl record player. We do have a seemingly endless supply of Scott Mulvihill autographed vinyls. And by endless, it really is just going to be a matter of having to press more if we actually get to that point. So hustle, all right? Make us press more. Throw us into the inconvenience of that moment. We want it. And uh, we mostly just are so grateful for who you guys are and for the way that you are rallying around Love Good right now. It's always a pleasure. Again, check out lovegoodcontest.com for all the details. Where does vulnerability come into play there? At what point do we have to be open to the possibility of a wound, you know, without even necessarily having this terribly conscious, you know, moment of, oh, I'm willing to be wounded. I mean, that's weird, you know, but I certainly know that it often takes me by surprise and rarely am I weeping out of sadness. It's almost always out of joy, like some surprise encounter that I just could have never seen coming from a million miles miles away. I used to think it was only when I hadn't slept very well the night before that (laughs) I could actually cry at some point that day. And now I've had too many good nights of sleep and still cried the next day to realize that it's it's always this, this vulnerability, this softness of heart, you know, that leads to a moment that, oh, I need... I like desperately need, again, this side of heaven. You know, yeah. it's not the same thing as, you know, the little passing pleasure, you know, that I sort of enjoy. It's like this deep, insatiable, infinite ache that's being satisfied even just for a moment, yeah. you know? I think a good, ex- I'll answer the question by way of example. That last fall when we had a Nick Fabian concert. Yeah. And you gave me your seat, remember? Front row, baby. Front row. And I was like, no, I don't, you don't have to do it, you know? That's because I was self-conscious, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I was feeling self-conscious about that. Just like going, walking in front of everybody, sitting down. And like, I didn't want to appear, you know, too eager to be like in the front row. But like, I also really like, like Nick Fabian and I wanted to hear him. And I don't get to see like live music that much. But then the kid that I was going to have to sit next to, like he had the iPad and whatever. He was controlling the camera. And I was like, I don't want to distract him or I don't want him to think I'm like weird or whatever. So like, why don't you just take the seat, Jimmy? You know, but then like to encounter a true moment with somebody else with Nick Fabian, who's pouring his heart out into that keyboard and microphone for all these people he's never met before that required a, a kind of instance of vulnerability on my part to just go and walk in front of everybody and just sit down and just put it mm. all in my head and enjoy it. That makes sense? Totally. So vulnerability is crucial to experiencing a moment of wonder or even rebirth in wonder because it's saying the world makes me, the world, it's the courage to admit I don't know anything about the world. Yeah. And the world, it makes me humble and I, I, I'm i in awe of it. Yeah. You know? My third year of theology at Mundelein, you know, Mundelein, seminary is it's objectively the most beautiful campus in the country but some may disagree but there's a lake there and these two piers that go out into the lake and when you're sitting on the pier you're looking east and so one of a good friend of mine the one who introduced me the oh hellos in fact and i decided that we were going to do our morning holy hour our prayer on the pier every day mm. and watch the sun come up 
And if I wasn't comfortable with him, if I wasn't comfortable with taking a leap and, you know, it can be hard to be emotionally affected by things in the presence of those we love, you know, if we're not comfortable with them, but to be able to sit with him and to watch the sun come up and to not feel like we had to speak, not feel like we had to every moment turn to each other and say, it's so beautiful, Mm -hmm. break the ice or whatever, but simply to be in the presence of the other and be encountered and to be encountered by, but to, to encounter ourselves, the beauty of something like a sunset over the lake. Yeah. That's vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And that is also at the same time, the, the kind of recipe for a rebirth and wonder. Yeah. Now, if I was nervous the whole time, if I didn't know that I was loved by both God who had called me to that place, but also loved by my friend who was sitting there with me, I wouldn't have felt that comfort, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but it's also vulnerable to say I'm loved. Yeah. I'm loved. That's a risk to say that I'm loved. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm known at my deepest level, all these kinds of statements, all these kinds of sentiments, these are our profound moments of vulnerability. Why? Why? Because where do most of our, where, why did I say it like that? Because we're in the South. Where? Where do most of our wounds come from? Normally, you know, the lady in the Denver airport a few weeks ago who was yelling at me (laughs) because I kind of cut some people in line on accident. And then I was not very nice to her. <laughs> and I feel badly about that. You can make a public apology. She's probably listening. I don't know if you're listening, but um, you were the woman in the Denver airport <laughs> who went through the clear <sighs> check-in and I was in TSA pre-check and I had to get out of the way. I accidentally cut two people. Yikes. And she said, excuse me, sir, but you just cut two people. And it was 4.20 and my flight left at five and I was in a bad mood. And I said, I think we're all going to get there. Don't yeah. worry about it. And she said, I just wanted to make sure you knew that you cut two people. That's very sweet of her to say And like I that. said, look, lady, my <laughs> flight's at five. I don't really care. I didn't say that. But of course, I had my seminary jacket on and she looked at it and said, well, it's a good thing you're in the seminary. <laughs> and I said, I'm not in it. Because I'm not. This all happened? Yeah, it did. Wow. Not my best moment. Not my best moment. And I, I want to apologize to that lady for doing that, even though she still took her shoes and belt off in the TSA pre-check line. But that's a different thing. I don't think of her very often, and she probably doesn't think of me very often. But if that was my girlfriend, if that was my best friend, who then we had this very negative interaction with, that would hurt an awful lot more than somebody who I just met and accidentally made upset. That's right. And on the flip side, you talk about being able to sit in silence before the encounter with beauty that really can only happen with a dear friend, exactly. with someone that there's a mutual trust with. I'm thinking about this trip I took also back in the fall before the leaves were beginning to change in Nashville to a cabin in the Smoky Mountains with one of my best mm. friends. And every day we'd wake up and we would kind of have several hours of silence, like breakfast was being made, books were being read, prayers were said. But to be honest, there was no need to say anything because we we knew each other deeply enough yeah. to know exactly what our heart was probably soaring with anyways yeah. which were you know like sincere gratitude and and joy before the the beauty of the mountains we went on a you know i don't know how long of a hike the next day that we were there the second day that we were there and again there didn't need to be much of a conversation in the midst of that that's only possible with close friends you think about even the 
old couple sitting down, you know, at the early bird special, the local yeah. diner, like Nobody's they're just sitting there in silence. And you think, yeah. how is that possible? That's well, the height of vulnerability. It I is think. the height of vulnerability. I've given my whole life to you. Boom. I've given my whole self to you. I, you know, everything about me. Yes. Yeah, epic. And yet you love me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yet you love me. You know, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, everything you've seen, everything and yet you love me. That's it. And that was a big part of like priestly discernment. And I think uh, just of spirituality in general, like whenever we heard a talk once kind of before I was ordained a deacon and the guy was talking about like the importance of being vulnerable with the church as a seminarian, being vulnerable with your vocation director, with your formator in the seminary, these people whose job it is kind of collectively to discern the will of the church of the spirit through the church. And they said to be on the floor at your ordination day, you know, we lay on the floor as part of the liturgy, kind of a a visible sign Mm -hmm. of laying our lives down on the ground or laying our lives down for the church. We actually lay ourselves prostrate on the floor of the church. And he said to be on the floor without everything revealed is a chink in your confidence that you belong on the floor. Yeah. But to be on the floor with everything revealed and to still be on the floor, that is the greatest source of confidence you will ever have as a priest. Mm. And I never forgot that. So to be totally revealed with the ones that we love and who have loved us, to not hide from them out of fear is the greatest source of confidence Mm. that two people can ever have in one another. You know everything. And yet you're still here. Yeah. You know, what do you think about? It's like Peter after he denies Jesus. And that great line from von Balthasar, Peter knows that he is known in both his love and his treason. Mm. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus still says you are Peter. It's amazing. And on this rock, I'll build my church. And so I think that's just such a great like lesson, you know. Mm. And Um, out of that vulnerability comes the possibility of real encounter. Real and encounter, real wonder, and out of the possibility of of encounter comes wonder. That's right. Yeah, and out of the possibility of wonder, the ability to stop and to look at someone mm-hmm. and to be like a beagle and turn your head. Yeah, and just gaze. Yeah, that is what makes unity possible. That's what's going on here. Unity I think. possible in the chest, chest to the little girl. Yeah, Father Ryan, as always, what a pleasure. We'll see you again in about a month, and uh, Hope so. Who the heck knows what we're going to talk about next time around, but it is always, always deep. It's like being on retreat with you. So thank you. You're welcome. See you next time. Bye. There's nothing like a full tank in an open road. Because every destination is between somewhere and somewhere else in this great nation, and it's your world. It's a good thing for a traveler, a good thing for a traveler like cash in the bank. Oh, a full Sometimes I get caught up where I never meant to be. It's the curse of being free, the curse of being free. But baby, it's a good day for the travelers and the sinners. Oh, what 
You're listening to Begin Againers from our good friend Scott Mulvihill. That was off of his 2018 debut full-length album called Himalayas. And why am I bringing that song into the podcast today? Well, the answer is very simple. Okay, we have a lot of patrons right now who are fighting for an autographed vinyl copy of that album. All right, you can't just get these anywhere. In fact, there's only a few more even in stock. And I think we bought most of them from Scott, all right? And so for those who don't know a lot about the details of our contest, today's your day to go to lovegoodcontest.com. If you're a patron and you literally just round up one more patron, you're getting that entire vinyl record autographed from Scott Mulvihill. It's it's beautiful and it's, it is autographed. We're so grateful to you guys. So grateful to people like Father Ryan Adorjian, some of our earliest adopters and most invested patrons, as well as artists like Scott. And uh, you heard from Rebecca Rubion earlier on this episode. Well, there's just so much to come. And, and this is how I'm going to now let you know in a very excited way that Scott Mulvihill is going to be with us next week, like in the flesh on the podcast. And that conversation was so explosive that we had to divide it up into two episodes. So you're getting back-to-back episodes with Scott Mulvihill beginning next week. I cannot wait for you to be a part of that. And just know, as always, nothing but love and prayers from Nashville. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. Tell your friends all about us. Follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and join our movement today by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. Start enjoying our exclusive content and seasonal packages that will raise your standard for music, books, and art and inspire you to build a better culture. We can't wait to accompany you as you change the world.